Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your wwe crown jewel 2022 post show right here on off the script i am jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your saturday afternoons your happy hour wherever you may be i could get used to afternoon pay-per-views bro now, I woke up. Conveniently, I woke up around a half an hour before the show went live. But that's what happens when you get uh, into a Call of Duty lobby with a couple of friends until 4 o'clock in the morning. But uh, regardless of that, I'm awake. I'm alive. I'm caffeinated. I'm ready to go. And Crown Jewel this afternoon, man, tonight in Saudi Arabia was a really, really good show. I would absolutely say it was on banger level. For WWE, there was a lot coming out of this show that I liked. There were some things that I did not like that were very questionable. But all in all, a very positive show for WWE. And it typically ends up the same way. Fans complain, fans bitch and moan, television sucked. But the show, you know, going into it, you got very low expectations. WWE usually kind of exceeds those expectations. And that was no different from what we got here tonight with Crown Jewel. I know a lot of people don't 
particularly agree with these shows, mainly because of where they're emanating from. And I know, uh, and I've been very vocal about this, I do think that they put on the biggest spectacle that they can just to please the people that are paying them. And the television shows have suffered. I'm going to be upfront with you guys. I've been saying it for weeks. The television shows have suffered. This was not a traditional pay-per-view. This is not something that the WWE is going to put all their eggs in their pay-per-view basket for. They did what they needed to do. They got by by doing very little. You know, obviously this was headlined and spearheaded by Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul for the world title. Television suffered greatly because of Crown Jewel and the build for Crown Jewel because there really wasn't much going into many of these matches. They already existed, but it wasn't really the end goal. It wasn't the true stop for most of these feuds. That's going to be for war games. That's going to be what's coming up in about three and a half weeks for Survivor Series at War Games. Now, with that said, it takes nothing away from the show tonight. And like I said, there was a lot of that I liked and a lot of that I did not like. We might as well start off with what I loved. Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. I I thought this match was absolutely incredible. Now, I'm not the biggest Logan Paul guy. I'm not the biggest advocate of Logan Paul. I was very, very critical of the match announcement. I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, man, these Saudi shows. Yeah, let's get Roman Reigns and his monumental title run and put him in there against Logan Paul. had two fucking matches, and he's getting a world championship match. I mean, it just sounds ludicrous. It is a entertainment business. I get why they did. I got it from day one as to why they made this match. I knew that they were going to make this match for this show, and that's what they want. They want the biggest spectacle possible. But at the end of it all, you know, and I think I think people have been overly positive about Logan Paul anyway coming into this thing. What he did against, you know, his opponents at WrestleMania, what he did against The Miz at SummerSlam, it was tremendous stuff. And Logan Paul being an A-list celebrity, being one of the biggest social media influencers on the face of the planet, It's a beautiful thing to see, to have him come into this universe, to have him come into this sport and take it as serious as he's taken everything else in his career. He's not half-assing anything. He's not skimping on anything. He's not leaving, you know, half of himself somewhere else and then his other half in the ring with Roman Reigns just to get by and collect a paycheck. He's got a brand to build. Continue building. He's got a reputation to uphold. He holds himself to very high standards. If he went into this thing half-assing it, it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really bode well for him and stand up well for him as far as what he's built for himself and how he's modeled himself in front of his social media audience. Logan Paul's incredible. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind what the guy can do. In fact, you know, I I may be a little outlandish in saying this. I don't really give a shit because it won't be the first outlandish thing that I say on their show. Logan Paul wrestles better than fucking most of the people that you see on the independent circuit. And he's been in this thing for three matches. He wrestles better than most of the people you see on AEW Dark. He wrestles better than some of the people that are currently in the AEW and WWE locker rooms. He just gets it. He is it. He has it. And I don't want to make this a love fest for Logan Paul, but 
The guy is fucking tremendous at what he does. He takes it seriously. He honors the sport. He doesn't make anybody look bad in there. He's trained by one of the best ever, if not the best ever, in Shawn Michaels leading into this match. He knew how big of a match this was with Roman Reigns, and he nailed it. Everything he did in that ring, he nailed it. And Roman Reigns, having somebody like Roman Reigns in there who's been on the hottest run of anybody, anytime, in any period. Roman Reigns' body of work has been absolutely amazing since the start of this title run. You cannot be critical of Roman Reigns. You can find Roman Reigns in the bloodline boring. That's your prerogative. I don't. I don't know how the fuck you find the bloodline boring with Sami Zayn injecting life into the storyline and injecting life into the bloodline. I mean, you got to be out of your fucking mind. You can find the bloodline boring. You can find it redundant that he continues to win. But maybe you guys aren't prepared for long-term booking. Maybe you guys aren't conditioned to be patient. I don't mind Roman Reigns holding the championship. I would rather have somebody hold the championship for two, three years than have fucking hot potato. One week, some new champions are crowned, and then the next week, they go right back to the fucking former champions. I don't like that. Roman Reigns, being in there with Reigns, absolutely helped Logan Paul. He slowed the match down. He guided him. Reigns is incredible. Everything he's done up until this point has been incredible. And it's only, you know, we're we're nearing the end, and we're about 75% of the way there for Roman Reigns and the end of his title run from what I feel. But this match tonight, absolutely one of the best main events that WWE's put on all year. I would go out on a limb and say that this may have been one of the best matches in all of the Roman Reigns title run period. It's not the best. I don't think it's the best. I don't know if I could put it as the best. Some may. I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm not. It got a little overbooked at the end. And you guys may go out there and say it was the best. I mean, I prefer the Brian Danielson matches. I prefer the Edge matches. I prefer the Kevin Owens match. The Seth Rollins match was tremendous at the Royal Rumble. Everything that Reigns has done, the storytelling with Jay Uso inside Hell in a Cell, you can't forget that, even though it was in the middle of a pandemic. There's a lot of positive to come out of Roman Reigns' title run, but I would absolutely put this in the top three. I would put this in the top three. Best matches in all of Roman Reigns' world title run, and it came from somebody who's not even a pro wrestler. He's got amateur background in pro wrestler, but he's not a WWE pro wrestler. And somebody in Logan Paul who's a celebrity who's come on in here and has wrestled better than most of the people you see on weekly television. It's truly inspiring stuff. And again, you know, I know a lot of people, they love the celebrity appearances like Bad Bunny. He he did great for what he did in the ring. He took it seriously. I respect that. He didn't fucking half-ass it. Johnny Knoxville brought his own brand of uh, jackass to WWE at WrestleMania. I don't know who WWE has in the pipeline as far as celebrity appearances goes, but I don't think anybody ever is going to even measure up to what Logan Paul's brought to the table. He's absolutely, Pat McAfee's another one. He's done great, too. You know, he's an athlete himself, but, I mean, Logan Paul's just on a different, he's just a different animal. He's on a different planet. But Logan Paul coming on in has raised that celebrity appearance. Anybody that comes on in after Logan Paul, you're going to have to stand up to Logan Paul, and I don't know if anybody is able to do that or will be able to do that coming on in. He gave you a 99 out of 100 tonight. I mean, I don't know if anybody's even going to come close what Logan Paul has done in his three matches as far as a celebrity appearance wrestling in the WWE is concerned. Tremendous match. 
Tremendous match. The other thing I liked about this show tonight was the women's championship match. Bailey and Bianca Belair. Now, I've been very critical of damage control. I've been very on the fence, indifferent to damage control. I feel like something's off. I feel like things aren't really clicking. I feel like the fans are kind of blah about damage control. But at the end of it all, you can't deny how great Bailey is. You can't deny how great Dakota and EO are. Tonight, Bailey looked the best that she's ever looked since being back. And she's been in there against Candice LeRae. She's been in there against Bianca a couple of times. She's been in there against Shotzi, I believe. But tonight was probably not only the best Bailey performance, but I honestly do think that this was probably the most entertaining and most fun match that Bailey and Bianca have had in the lineage of Bianca and Bailey matches. Bailey's always been great. There's no doubting how great Bailey is. Bailey's already a Hall of Famer. Just based on what she's done for the women's division, Bailey's already a Hall of Famer. It's just that with damage control, everybody was excited about it. Everybody had high hopes about it. And then we get Dakota and EO. Everybody's excited about it. Oh, Dakota's back. Oh, EO's brought up to the main roster. Finally, we can now fully trust the process with Paul Levesque in charge. Something seemed to be off. What that is, I don't know. Personality clashes. They don't really gel all that well. It's just name value that Bailey brings to the group. Meanwhile, nobody really gets EO. Nobody gets Dakota. Nobody knows who they are, even after all this time, which I think is a lame excuse. You should know how good they are at this point, but something seems to be off. Bailey, you know, it's been a while since she's been back on TV. She's been out for over a year. She's got to get the wheels in motion. And hopefully tonight is something that really kind of speeds up that process and gets Bailey back into the mindset of where Bailey was before she got injured. Bailey was a top heel act in the industry. Never mind in WWE. She was incredible in her heel run. She went back to that, pairing herself with EO and Dakota, and nothing has really felt the same. And nobody can really pinpoint what the, the sole reason is there, but it just has felt off. And tonight, hopefully, the wheels are in motion for that. Now, I know a lot of people, their opinion tonight was, oh, damage control's dead. They won the tag team championships tonight. I'll get to that in a second. They won the tag team championships again from Alexa and Oscar after just losing them on Monday. And Bailey had a great performance, but she lost. So what does this mean? Where do we go with damage control now? I don't know. I've been saying, I don't see Bianca losing the championship, but I could also see Bailey getting war games and getting even and ending it all with war games going into Survivor Series. That's where we are right now. But take nothing away from that match. Bianca wrestled her ass off. Bailey did excellent tonight. There was a brilliant ending to how that match ended. I enjoyed it. They brought out a golf cart. They had weapons. There's tables. Some of the spots look scary. I thought Bailey was legitimately re-injured again. But what they did was give us a great women's championship match. Last man standing match. Girl, last woman standing match. Great stuff. Now, what I didn't like about the show, what I didn't like about the show, starting with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, they started this show off hot. Lesnar and Lashley opened the show. They were having a damn good wrestling match. They were having a Brock Lesnar-Bobby Lashley clash with a twist. They slowed the pace down. 
to sell a knee injury on Brock Lesnar. And then the match ended in about four, four and a half minutes, five minutes. And the ending was literally, and I mean legitimately, out of left field. And it made Bobby Lashley look ridiculous in the moment, but then they they figured, you know, we got to make Bobby Lashley look strong. And they had a big post-match attack at the end of the match, which presumably turns Bobby Lashley into a heel again. I know they wanted a third match. Bobby Lashley's been on interviews as of late. Ah, this is not the last time that me and Brock Lesnar are going to do battle. Crown Jewel isn't the end of it. So he's already teasing a potential third match or more matches to come in this string of matches with Lesnar. And it became a little bit more clear as to why he said that when the post-match attack happened and the pinfall in the match occurred. I didn't like it. I thought it made him look like a dumbass, but they made him look strong. They made Bobby Lashley look strong at the end of the match by beating down Brock Lesnar after a surprise pin attempt and a win. But I thought it was awful. I thought it was all. There had to be another way to go about it. They went with something that, in theory, might have looked good, but it just made Bobby Lashley look like a fucking fool in the middle of the ring when it did happen. But I did like the little wrinkle of slowing the match down. It was on its way to being better what they did compared to the Royal Rumble match that they had, and then the ending just fucked everything up. And the other thing that I didn't like was the match itself was great. The match itself was fine. But the tag team championships, the women's tag team championships, once again, go back to damage control. And I know a lot of people online, some of the fucking geek check marks were, oh, I like title changes as long or hot potatoing title changes as long as as long as it makes sense. Well, this doesn't make sense. The only reason why WWE did what they did is because they love to have moments. And especially with the women in WWE traveling to Saudi Arabia, wrestling in Saudi Arabia, which wasn't a thing. A couple of years ago, WWE feels like they've changed the landscape of the culture in Saudi Arabia with women and empowering women. The only reason why they took the titles off of Damage Control on Monday was to put the titles back on Damage Control on Saturday, today at Crown Jewel, to sell the fact of, look, women empowerment in Saudi Arabia. Look at this, new women's champions crowned in Saudi Arabia. Me and Don Tony talked about this. On Sat on uh, Thursday for this Saturday, we talked about this on Thursday on our dual podcast on Thursday, Forbidden Door Three. Go check that out on his channel. Great stuff. We brought this up and we discussed that this was more than likely the way WWE was going to go about it. And boom, they did exactly that. I don't really agree with hot potatoing the tag team championships. It only it only exacerbates more problems within the division. It only makes the obvious problems that much more obvious in the division. Now, I know Nikki Cross interfered in this thing, but I don't really give a shit. I don't even know where Licky, uh, Licky, Nikki Cross and her alignment lies. I don't know where she's going to align herself. Is she with damage control? Is she, is she not with damage control? I don't know. But we got new tag team champions in damage control once again. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's not good for the titles. It's not good for the division. And it only makes the obvious problems, like I said, that much more obvious. But outside that, I thought today was a great show. I do. I thought today was probably the best wrestling show of the entire week. That's not really saying much because Monday Night Raw was blah. Dynamite sucked. And then Friday was okay. So we got Crown Jewel and we got some decent wrestling on a Saturday afternoon, man. You can't complain about that. 
But I'm glad you guys are here, man. I'm glad you guys are here on the podcast. We are going to go over the rest of the show, break things down, what I liked, what I didn't like, and go over the winners and losers right here on OTS. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys check the links in the description. Everything you need is right there. I got 2,600 people in the venue on a very, very happy hour right here on OTS. I'm going to need, you guys know the deal. Anything less is unacceptable. I'm going to need 1,000 likes minimum. Minimum. No questions asked. If you guys are in the venue tonight enjoying yourself here for the post show, all I ask of you is to hit that thumbs up. It helps me out. It helps the video out. It helps the channel out. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. That's all I ask. We got Super Chats. Super Chats are coming on in. I love me some Super Chats, man. You guys are going to sound off. You're going to let me know how you feel about the show. So get them on in and we'll hang out with our cold beverages at the end of the show. So make sure you guys get them on in. VIP applications are always accepted. Get them on in. Become a VIP, become a channel member right here on OTS. You guys get emotes, you guys get badges, you guys get preferential treatment above everybody else. So make sure you guys go and do that for me and get those channel memberships in. Go check out all the other videos and podcasts on the channel. Tons of it. I was live for SmackDown last night. Pretty much a dead night on Friday night with everything else going on, but it was the go-home show, and it was a very good show taped. Very good tape show for SmackDown, headlined by Gunther and Rey Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship. Great match there between those two gentlemen. Go check that out on the channel if you guys missed last night's post-show. And I did mention this last night. I am in collaboration with a group, a company, to get some new merchandise out there, man. This is a timed, limited edition exclusive. It's a take on their gimmick. They have a certain gimmick about them. I'll be revealing this possibly later tonight on Twitter. They got a certain gimmick about them. And what we did was collaborate. And you guys know I love my cold beverages, man. I love my craft beer. I love my whiskey old fashions. And it's a take on their gimmick mixed with our world, cold beverages, drinking, what the fuck are you drinking? It's going to be great. And I'm going to... Reveal that possibly later tonight with a little teaser. And then we are going to get those out to you. Two weeks, you guys are going to have to buy this limited edition design. It's going to be great. I already seen the finished product. It looks fucking great. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. And you guys will have the first opportunity to buy the new limited edition t-shirt courtesy of Off The Script. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Bluetooth. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys use that code and use the link, BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout for your free sample of BlueChew service, courtesy of Off The Script. Let's get into the post show, man. Let me take a sip of my cold beverage first, because I'm thirsty. Let's get into the post show. Get my news and notes here. We got Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Uh, Not Brock Lesnar, Roman. I'm thinking SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley opening the show. They opened the show, and I made a joke on social media that Brock Lesnar wanted in, and he wanted out. So 
He's opening the show. He wants to get done in about five minutes. He wants to hop on his private jet. And he wants to go back to Saskatchewan. So that was Brock Lesnar. They opened the show with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. This, I said this online, and I wanted it to be better than what we got at the Royal Rumble. I thought what they did at the Royal Rumble was hugely disappointing. I thought they were hugely disappointing. But the match started out great. It started out hot and heavy. It started out brutal. And Brock Lesnar ended up with a knee injury in this match. And that was the nice sell of the match. So we got Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley opening the show. And the story here was Lesnar, he got the win, hurt his knee, tweaked his knee in the middle of the match. He was dominated by Lashley for most of the match until the ending of the match where he got a surprise victory. Lashley jumped Lesnar before the bell, targeting his leg. Lashley then hit a spear on the outside, which looked great. Lesnar tried to recover on the outside, but Lashley speared Lesnar through the ringside barricade, which is Bobby Lashley 101. If Bobby Lashley wrote a book on how he wrestles a wrestling match, one of the things that would be at the top of the fucking list is spearing one through a barricade near the timekeeper's area. So we hit the spear, and that looked great. It was carnage by the ringside area. Lashley then hit another spear in the ring. After all this carnage on the outside, hit another spear in the middle of the ring. He only got a two count. Lashley then went for the hurt lock, but Lesnar counted with German suplexes, and these were a lot better than what Bobby Lashley had to deal with at the Royal Rumble. I know on one of the German suplexes at the Royal Rumble, Bobby Lashley actually injured himself. So I'm glad to see him taking those German suplexes a little bit better tonight, and there were a couple of them. Lashley took three German suplexes, Lesnar nailed Lashley with an F5, and Michael Cole didn't really sell it on commentary like he normally would, which kind of told me that Lashley was going to kick out, and that's exactly what he did. He kicked out at it, too. Lashley recovered. He clotheslined Lesnar out of the ring, grabbed him, and then put him on his shoulders, and then threw him into the steel post. They go back in the ring. Lashley went for a spear, but Lesnar counted with an F5. He attempted an F5. Lashley took him down, Slipped down the back of Lesnar and applied the hurt lock. The referee started to raise Lesnar's hand, very old school style, one, two, and then Lesnar's hand stays up on the third one. He woke right up at that point. He struggled to escape. He started to kind of push himself towards the turnbuckle. He used the turnbuckle for leverage, a la Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the 1997 Survivor Series, I believe it was. And Lashley, he falls back with all the weight of Lesnar uh, on him. And Lesnar is basically flat back. Uh, not, 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 not 1997, 1996 uh, Survivor Series. Stone Cold and Bret Hart. I- I'm sorry with the dates. I get them a little mixed up. But uh, Lashley is on his back, right? And Lesnar is flat back on Bobby Lashley. One, two, three. And the match was over. And the match was over. That was it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. 
They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, I looked at this ending and I'm like, Jesus Christ, was that the fucking ending you went for? That's what you went for. Lashley looked like a blithering idiot in this situation. He had the hurt lock on Brock Lesnar for about two and a half minutes as Lesnar struggled. He even went through a fucking raising of the hand twice and the referee was about to stop the match. All Lesnar did was propel himself off the turnbuckle. And that was it. He falls back. And he pins Bobby Lashley. Lashley was in control for most of the match. And he could not kick out of Lesnar on top of him at all. Could not get his shoulder up. So you mean to tell me that Bobby Lashley could not get one shoulder up with no offense done to him, with just Lesnar propelling himself off the turnbuckle and covering him simply for a one, two, three. That's the problem I had with the match. It looked ridiculous. Not only did it look ridiculous, it was anticlimactic. This was a shit ending. And then I got people online telling, like, I don't fucking know, bro. Like, I don't know. I know what they're doing. I pay attention to everything. I know. People telling me, well, this is leading to another match. No shit, genius. No shit, Sherlock. I get it. I know they're doing, they're, they're going to do another match. I don't necessarily want to see another match, but I know they're going to do a third and final match. Now they're tied 1-1. Lashley won at the Royal Rumble, and Lesnar wins tonight. Now they're 1-1. Now they need the rubber match for match number three. I get it. Where that match happens, I don't know. Does it happen at Survivor Series? Does it happen at the Royal Rumble? Do we save it for WrestleMania? I don't really want to see Lesnar versus Lashley go all the way till WrestleMania. I don't want to see it. I think I have a better opponent for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I'll get to that in a little bit. But as far as this match is concerned, it was going to be better than the first match at the Royal Rumble, and then that ending kind of fucked everything up. But the ending, no matter how you look at it, is no excuse for the terrible ending. The fact that they're going to do a third match more than likely does not excuse this from being an awful ending. I hated this shit. It looks so fucking bad. So after the match is over, Lashley applied a hurt lock, keeping Lesnar down. Lesnar, the babyface here in this moment. And Bobby Lashley was the babyface getting booed in Saudi Arabia. I don't know if this is going to lead to Bobby Lashley going heel again. I don't. I don't know why we would turn Bobby Lashley heel. He was doing so good as a babyface. What's with the flip-flop of heel babyface now with Bobby Lashley? Why? He was doing so good as a babyface. He even said that he wants to get the Hurt Business back together. He will do whatever he has to do to get the Hurt Business back together in WWE. And I think a lot of people are open to seeing that. I do. If I can find the news article where he said it, 
He wants to get the Hurt Business back together. Why would you, why would you take him and make him a heel when the Hurt Business is something that most of the fans want to see? He was interviewed, I believe, with a publication over in Saudi Arabia. Lashley vowed to bring the Hurt Business back. He says, and I quote, the Hurt Business was something that everybody loved and everybody will still love. Never say never. I will make sure that somehow, some way, we get back together because it seems like right now everybody's getting back into some sort of group in WWE. There are so many different factions coming together. The most important faction and the one and one of the biggest factions of the last few years, the one that took us through the pandemic, was the Hurt Business. He's not lying. He's not lying at all. They were great in the middle of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, when fans got back together, Vince killed it. It's like he used them and then he killed it. Just when fans were starting to get back into the shows, he killed it. During the pandemic, everybody else was staying at home. So many people staying at home and didn't want to go to work. So many people who took a back step when the Hurt Business stepped up. We were every part of the show for a long time. So I think it should get a rebirth. End quote. I love it. And I would love to see that too. Especially if WWE is going to revitalize tag team wrestling in the company especially if WWE is already molding several groups of trios, why not? Will this lead to trios championships in WWE? I don't know. Maybe. Nobody knows. Are they needed right now? Probably not. But it could be. It could be something that's on the idea or on the mind, rather, for an idea by Triple H. So we don't know. But Bobby Lashley certainly wants to get the Hurt Business back together. And I don't think, you know, making him a heel would be a great move if he's already talking about you know, expect it to happen, or I'm definitely going to try and make it happen. That's a babyface thing to do. People are asking him because now he's a babyface because he knows everybody loved the Hurt Business. But a third match between these two men, I mean, we got a very mid-match at the Royal Rumble. We got a decent match here with a shit ending. I mean, what else do we need to see? How else are they going to make it different compared to what we've already seen? One positive about the match that I really loved is I think everybody takes Lesnar for granted when he's in there. When Lesnar's in there and he, and he wrestles with somebody that he has high respect for, Lesnar goes out of his way to make them look good, and that's exactly what he did with Bobby Lashley tonight. His selling is tremendous. I mean, within the first minute or two, he was already selling his, the first couple of seconds, actually, right at the start of the fucking match. Bobby Lashley attacked him before the bell, shoved him into the steel steps. He's selling the knee the entire match. And he's... Very lethargic, and he's selling that. Bobby Lashley's beating him down. Lesnar's selling when he wants to sell is fucking great. I think people take this for granted, and I don't think really a lot of people pinpoint how great Lesnar is when he actually wants to work with somebody and make them look good. So I did enjoy that. It was a nice little wrinkle on top of the typical Brock Lesnar formula. Suplex F5, suplex F5, suplex F5. It was a nice change of pace for Brock Lesnar. With the ending, man. My God. Could have done a lot better with that. They are getting a third match, but I mean, with the way the ending came, you can't excuse a third match with that ending. You can't. They could have did a lot better, and they could have come up with something that really made Bobby Lashley look strong by any other way, right? And keeping that same momentum, keeping that same energy, with him not looking stupid at the end of that match. Moving on. Byron Saxton. He was backstage, asked Asuka and Alexa Bliss 
backstage how they would prepare to defend their tag team titles tonight after only having them for five days. Bliss prepared to respond, but suddenly Bray Wyatt's new logo appeared on the screen briefly. Bliss seemed taken back by what was going on and responded anyway. Asuka said damage control were not ready for Asuka and Alexa. Michael Cole even noted that Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt have a history and their pasts are intertwined. So I don't listen. I don't know what's going on with Alexa. I don't. I would. I would assume. You know, Bray Wyatt even said tonight that he wants to rewrite the ending to his story in WWE. This is exactly what he said. This is. I've been saying this for months. Where's Where's Bray Wyatt going? Everybody's always going to go to AEW. We don't even know if there was discussions between AEW and Bray Wyatt. And he said tonight he wants to rewrite his story and write the story that he wants to end his story in the WWE. I don't think the way that they ended, I don't think you could do that without Alexa Bliss. She needs to be involved in some way, shape, or form. I think it's pretty, pretty evident, and I'm pretty confident that Alexa Bliss is going to be a part of whatever end story that there is for Bray Wyatt, whether she's involved in some minor way, if she's involved as one of the members of the Wyatt Six, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see what happens with that. I know there was a mysterious lady figure in the vignette last night on SmackDown. Some people took to that as, oh, well, it's a female. It could be Amika Rotunda, his sister. It could be Alexa Bliss. We don't know. It could be Liv Morgan. We don't know. All these names have been tied in some rumor or innuendo, some speculation to Bray Wyatt. But the fact that the logo, the Bray Wyatt logo, was shown during an Alexa Bliss segment tonight, and this is not the only segment it's happened in, you know for a fact she's going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. In what way? We don't know yet. So this leads to the tag team title match. We got Damage Control, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai looking to regain their tag team championships against Alexa Bliss and Asuka, and that's exactly what they did tonight. Damage Control wins the tag team championships, and I will say... That of all the tag team championship matches that we've gotten so far in WWE from the women's division, this was probably, just by a smidge, probably the best women's tag team championship match we've seen up until this point. I enjoyed this match better than what we got on Monday. I thought the main event on Monday was very good. When Alexa and Asuka won the tag team titles, I thought this was just a smidge better. And all these ladies worked their ass off tonight. All four of them brought it, is what I said online. Now, I'm looking for people to ignore what I'm about to tell you because, you know, I'm a sexist and I am hating women's wrestling. I just hate women. I hate all women's wrestlers and I hate all women's wrestling, says the fucking uninformed miscreants online. So what I'm about to tell you may shock you and surprise you, okay? But this is what I do. This is my job to be open and honest with you. This is my job to observe and give you guys the proper opinion, okay? I've been hard on Alexa. I've been very hard on Alexa. Sometimes she's not good. And you guys know that to be a fact. Sometimes she's just not good. Sometimes she looks very lost out there. Sometimes she is... Not where we want her to be. Her character's been cold. It feels directionless. She just feels there. She just exists, right? She's just another warm body to fit 
on the War Games team, presumably going into Survivor Series. This was probably the best Alexa Bliss that I've seen all year. Everything she did looked crisp. Everything she did looked very good. And she was energetic out there. And she probably wrestled the best match that she's had all year. And she looked excellent in there tonight with EO and Dakota. So you can't tell me that I'm not fair. You can't. I would have said the same thing about anybody else that I dislike. Okay? So there you go. So Kai and Bliss start things off. Some back and forth. They tag out pretty quickly. Oscar comes in. EO comes in. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to potentially, and I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I would love to see Asuka get a major singles run again, and I would love to see Asuka and EO in a major program for the Raw Women's Championship. I would love to see it. Now, I don't know how Asuka's doing nowadays. Some reports were saying Asuka was limping at the Saudi airport upon arrival. She had a knee brace on. They made that the target of the match. I know she's been out with said knee injury. I don't know how Asuka's feeling these days. I don't know if she has another run in her to that extent. But, I mean, I'd love to see something between these two with uh, a major implication on the line. I think that would be great. So, Asuka and EO are in. And Asuka Bliss are double-teaming, assisted jawbreaker for a near fall. Two then took down Dakota Kai and Io Sky to the outside with stereo hip attacks. Sky hit the springboard dropkick on Asuka off the top rope, putting her in a tree of woe. So Asuka was knocked off the top rope with a missile dropkick from Io on the ground, knocking Asuka off the top rope. She's hanging upside down to the outside of the ring. Kai dropkicked Asuka to the floor. She started favoring that knee brace and that knee injury. Kai worked over the knee back in the ring, tagged out to Io, Asuka, and Io going at it. She escaped and made the hot tag to Bliss, and she ran wild on both Dakota and Io Sky. Action was all over the place at this point. She continued uh, taking it to Kai was Bliss with a tornado DDT. Looked great. Sky tagged in, briefly gained control. Bliss nailed a beautiful code red on Io or uh, on, on Io. One, two, near fall with the code red on Io. Sky then meets Bliss on the top rope. They're, they're battling on the top rope. Something big was going to happen. And Dakota Kai comes over and she now wants to double team with EO on Alexa. Asuka comes on over. She limps over, starts punching away at both EO and Dakota on the top rope. And then we get the assisted Tower of Doom superplex spot down in the middle of the ring. The Saudi fans were very lenient with their this is awesome, this is awesome chant. Match was good, but I don't know if that warranted a this is awesome chant. But I know they don't get many shows over there, so they're allowed to have their fun. Asuka tagged in. She was going at Dakota with some awesome strikes, back fists, elbows, kicks. I love Asuka's offense. Kai with a running kick in the corner. She nailed Asuka for a near fall. Asuka tagged back into Bliss. She goes for Twisted Bliss. But Dakota Kai is out, and EO says, you know what? I'm going to interfere here. I'm going to distract Alexa Bliss from hitting her finishing move. This allowed Kai to get back up, and Sky went for the moonsault out to the floor while Alexa was going for Twisted Bliss. Dakota Kai got the knees up. So Sky took out Asuka on the floor, uh, and uh, or at least she tried to. She moved, and then Asuka took her out. Despite all of this, Sky recovered pretty quickly and got in there 
and took it to Asuka in the middle of the ring. This caused chaos. Referee was distracted. Bliss went for Twisted Bliss again because she's seen an opening with Asuka and Io fighting on the outside. She wanted to finish Dakota. All of a sudden, Nikki Cross appeared out of nowhere and took Bliss out with a top rope DDT and took her out. Kai then covered Bliss. Referee turns around. One, two, three. And we get new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Again, five days, the reign ended. Dakota Kai and Io Sky once again win the Tag Team Championships. This is now, uh, what? This is the second time that they're Tag Team Champions, right? So, you know, I know a lot of people. That, first of all, l- let me start off with the positive. The, the, the match was very good, okay? The match was fun. Alexa looked great. Uh, the ladies brought a lot of energy to this match, and I enjoyed what they did, and I like this better than what they did on Monday Night Raw, okay? I don't like the hot potatoing of the titles. Now, no matter who you listen to or who you follow on Twitter, they'll probably tell you, oh, I don't mind a hot potatoing of the title as long as it makes sense. How can it make sense if the division doesn't make sense? How can, it, how can it make sense if the division is so fucking lackluster and weak? We have two tag teams in the entire division. You're looking at them. So you deem hot potato in the tag team titles a good thing between these two teams when these are the only two teams in the division. WWE is allowed to get away with a shit booking decision like this because this is what they have watered the division down to. This is the best that they're going to get in the tag team division in the women's division. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it good. The more you hot potato the titles, the less valuable they are. They're not valuable. Those titles mean jack shit. Now, if the titles were held by somebody and they held the titles like Mandy Rose is holding the NXT Women's Championship, they would look a lot better than they do now. But holding the championships for five days only to go back to the champions who had them on Monday coming in, Dakota and Io, that doesn't make the championships look good at all. Now, WWE only did this because they want their moments. They're all about their moments. They're all about changing the culture. If you ask WWE, they feel like they're the sole reason why women's culture is changing in Saudi Arabia. Look at what we did. This is the women empowerment movement in WWE. Yes! Look at these ladies holding up championship gold, athletes, right? That's all that they're about. This was a PR move, a decision on Monday to take the belts off of EO and Dakota, put them on Asuka and Alexa, and then a PR move that ensued, putting them back on EO and Dakota tonight on Crown Jewel. That was it. And if that's what you're going to use the division for, if that's what you're going to use the titles for, why do we have them? That's the best that they have for the tag team titles. And to me, I've been saying this for years, ever since the Iconics, the Moronics, won the titles. Burn them. The division's been dead. They've been dead for three years now. I don't know why we have tag team championships. If it was up to me, I'd send whoever walks out of that NXT title match happening on Tuesday between Nikita Lyons and, and Zoe Stark versus Casey Cotanzaro and Caden Carter. Whoever wins that match, I would send them to Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown and unify the women's tag team titles and have one set of titles. We don't need two sets of women's tag team titles. It's utterly fucking ridiculous. It is. 
I don't know who agrees with this decision. I don't. It's so stupid. They love their moments, and that's all this was. Does it make damage control look good? I don't know. That's going to be subjective. You may think so. I don't think so. I don't. The more you lose a title or titles, the less you look. You're a weak champion. If Roman Reigns had lost and won and lost and won and lost and won his championship three or four different times in his title reign, would it be as special as it is? This is why I don't hold anything, you know, as far as Charlotte's reigns are concerned. Charlotte wins him, loses him, wins him, loses him. 14 times, or however many times, 12 times, 13 times, that means you lost the titles 12 or 13 different fucking times before that. So are you a good champion? I don't think so. A good champion holds the title one time for many days, years. A weak champion wins the titles and then drops them only to win them back and vice versa. Back and forth. It sucks. WWE really needs a redo for the women's tag team titles. And the only reason why they did this tonight was for a moment. And they can get away with it because there are, are no other tag teams in WWE. Where do we go now? Where do we go now? Are we done with this? Probably not. Nikki Cross intervened. We don't know where she stands or who she's aligned with. We don't know if she's going to be a part of damage control. We don't know if she's just going to immediately be an insurance policy for Bailey. Sasha Banks was on social media yesterday saying that November is going to be fucking crazy. What the fuck does that mean? People are saying, oh, she could wrestle in stardom. She can wrestle Kyrie Sane. She's going to wrestle for the New Japan Ladies Championship. She could be doing Mandalorian work. Some people were saying this is a non-WWE announcement. How the fuck do you know? She's already canceled dates on the road to Survivor Series. She had dates already planned on the road to Survivor Series. Sasha Banks was automatically deemed, you know, an outcast in WWE. Gone for months. Tonight, they added her and Naomi back to the intro of WWE. You didn't think I picked up on that, right? They added Sasha and Naomi back to the WWE intro, then now forever together. They are back. Whether you want to agree with it or believe in it or not, they are back. They will be in war games. They will align themselves with Bayley. How many times do I have to tell you? If, I, if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But I do not look at Mercedes Vernado and see somebody who doesn't want to be a part of war games. This woman is about making moments. This woman is about building legacies. This woman is about wanting to be a part of women's history. We've never had a women's war games match ever on the main roster. Now we're getting one. You think that woman wants to sit out? I don't think so. She will be back. Everybody's like, oh, look at the nose ring she's got. Who gives a fuck? She doesn't look the same. Who gives a fuck? Really? She will be back. Maybe that's what damage control needs. Maybe damage control needs a little dash of Sasha, a little dash of Naomi. I could be wrong. It would be boring if Nikki Cross was added to damage control, but I believe it's going to be five on five. Nikki Cross only makes one. We could get Nikki and Sasha. We don't know. We could get Nikki and Sasha. Naomi You don't necessarily need to bring Naomi back with Sasha. Naomi can go and do whatever the fuck she wants. Maybe Naomi's going to do her own thing. We don't know. Everybody's just assuming that Sasha and Naomi are going to be back on their own. 
or are going to be back together, I should say. They could be back on their own. We don't know. We could get Nikki Cross, and we can get Sasha Banks aligning herself with damage control, right? Dakota, EO, Bailey, Nikki Cross, and Sasha Banks. That's a formidable five right there. Could be Naomi. We don't know yet. And then on Bianca's side, Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, Candice LeRae. And if Becky Lynch is back, we can answer with Becky Lynch. All right, you got Sasha. I got Becky. This is basically, basically a war of worlds here. And this is going to be their version of a hard reset of the women's revolution. This is basically history in the making for WWE if they go and do this. Now, again, I could be wrong. I, I just may be fucking fantasy booking myself into a fucking work, right? But I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Naomi, a part of the bloodline? Who the fuck knows? They may actually be in the process of doing that. Sasha and Naomi don't need to come back together. They weren't even a solid tag team. They were paired randomly because of Vince and Bruce not knowing what the fuck to do with either one of them. They're not a tag team. They're best friends. They're very good friends in real life. But that doesn't mean they have to be a part of everything going forward together on WWE television. As far as I'm concerned, Nikki Cross would probably benefit more by being in damage control than Naomi. Naomi's already a star. She can come back and be on her own and just, boom, everybody's going to be thrilled to see Naomi. Nikki Cross may end up needing that spot more. But only time will tell. Only time will tell. The women's division needs, tag team-wise, I should say, the women's division's got the talent. The women's division, tag team-wise, we need to go back and really, really, really think about what the fuck we're doing. Flipping, flipping the titles back and forth is not going to do anybody any good. And WWE merely used these titles as a PR move in Saudi Arabia. That's all it was. Moving on. Drew McIntyre. Carrying Cross, steel cage match. This feud has been, depending on who you talk to, mid. This feud hasn't really lit the world on fire. And I know a lot of people were kind of down and out about Carrying Cross and Drew McIntyre coming out of their Extreme Rules match, which was a strap match. A lot of people did not like the match. I don't know why. I don't know why. I thought it was a good match. It wasn't bad by any means. Their strap match was good. It just didn't get any reaction. And you listened to that reaction and you applied that reaction and took that crowd in Philly, that reaction, and you made your assumption off the match because of how they felt and how they sounded in Philadelphia during Extreme Rules. That's not fair to Karrion Cross. That's not fair to Drew McIntyre. This match tonight, up until this point, up until this point, was probably the best match on the show. With three matches in now, with this being the third, this was the best match up until this point when it ended. I thought Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross had a very good steel cage match. I'd like to see some color in these steel cage matches, these stipulation matches when two men are in a cage or a cell or, or something along those lines, some color. It would go a long way. We didn't see any color here. This match was fun. This match was entertaining. I thought the ending of this match was excellent. It protects Karrion Cross to a point where 
He didn't take a pinfall loss, and WWE went traditional means by McIntyre hopping over the top of the cage and winning by both feet hitting the floor. Good stuff. Can't really sit here and complain about that whatsoever. Carrying Cross, the problem that I have with Carrying Cross, and I don't know what other people are saying. I, I don't really give a fuck what other people are saying. Half the opinions in this community are dog shit anyway. I don't give a shit what anybody's saying about Carrying Cross. But the one thing that I pinpointed, and some of you may think differently, I talked about this on Don Tony's show on Thursday as well. The one thing that is holding Cross back is the fact that he works one style, and that style is carrying Cross's style. He doesn't adapt to other styles. He doesn't adapt to situations. He doesn't adapt to stipulations and, uh, and, and match types. He just works one style, which is carrying Cross's style, which is slow and methodical, and he works at his own pace. He could be in there with Ricochet, and he could slow the match fucking down and work a match as if he's in quicksand. That's why people find him to be boring. It doesn't ever shift out of the second or third gear. Sometimes it doesn't even shift out of the first gear. That's what I feel the problem is with carrying cross. Now, that is the way he wants to work. I'm not going to tell the man how to do his job. He's very good at what he does. He's got everything to be a major player in the company. I mean, look at him. Look at who he has in his corner. He's got everything you would want for a WWE superstar, for a world championship run. He's got everything. But from what I see, from watching this product, since I was four years old, doing this show now for a very long time, and a big fan of Cross, I could see that being the problem. Now, you take Drew McIntyre and you apply what I just said about carrying Cross. McIntyre is going to work the style that Ricochet has, and he's going to speed up the pace. He's going to work at Ricochet's pace. He's going to slow it down because he's a big guy, six foot six, 265 pounds, but he's going to work Ricochet's style. He's going to work. Kevin Owens' style. He's going to work Sami Zayn's style. He's going to work Braun Strowman's style, right? He's going to work multiple styles. He's going to work Austin Theory's style. And he has done that. Cross, if he's in there with all those guys, he's going to work carrying Cross's style. That's what he needs to do. And we saw a little bit of that tonight. You saw the pace on carrying Cross picked up. Coming out of Extreme Rules, he delivered a big boost psycho knee in the match, a la Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. I'm like, whoa, we didn't see that from Cross in his time in NXT. We didn't see that from Cross since he's been back and wrestled a handful of matches. That's the Cross I want to see. He picked up the pace. He worked a little bit of a faster style tonight. It wasn't tremendous. It wasn't, oh my God, he's working like fucking Bandito out there, but... He worked a faster style, and it translated into a better match. And the Philadelphia crowd was bored. Saudi Arabia crowd, because it's Saudi Arabia, and they only get one show a year or two two shows a year, they were lively. They were energetic. They were into it, and that's also what helped the match. That's also what helped make this match a great steel cage match. I thought these guys worked their asses off tonight. The ending was fantastic. Whoever, whoever came up with the ending deserves a race. I loved the use of the over-the-top, both feet hitting the floor, because we don't really see that in traditional steel cage matches anymore. It's usually pinner submission in the middle of the ring, and WWE kind of throws those rules out the window, right? Out the door, over the top. I love it. I think it's great. There's a real nice sense of climactic, you know, S to the match. 
I love it. So, McIntyre started off with the advantage. And he laid Cross out with a back suplex. Cross cut him off. He tried to climb, but McIntyre met him on the top rope. Cross, crotch McIntyre, really, really stiff to regain control. They go and exchange chops back and forth. Cross throws McIntyre into the cage, kind of long darts him into the cage. McIntyre started to come back. He threw Cross into the cage before laying him out with a neck breaker. McIntyre hits a Michinoku driver. He goes for a near fall, only gets a two count. McIntyre went to the top rope with Cross. Cross starts to fight back, and he put McIntyre in a tree of woe position. McIntyre does that spot where he's in a tree of woe. He pulls himself up and he tosses McIntyre. Uh, he tosses uh, Cross rather. Does McIntyre off the top? It looked great, and that was an awesome spot. Cross back up, cuts McIntyre out with a knee. McIntyre fought back with a spine buster. Cross came back with a choke onto the floor. Choke slam onto the floor. McIntyre reversed. Cross with a Saito suplex. McIntyre ducked the cross hammer. Hit a future shock DDT. McIntyre attempted a Claymore kick. Scarlett climbs the cage. McIntyre's in the corner counting down three, two, one. And Scarlett gets involved. And McIntyre, allured and stunned by her beauty, just watches uh, Scarlett on the outside. He's completely distracted. He's just looking at her. And Cross takes advantage of this by attempting to crawl out of the ring. So he sees Scarlett trying to, uh, he sees, uh, now actually, uh, with the Claymore kick, Scarlett, uh, and he took McIntyre out with the cross hammer. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here. He took uh, McIntyre out with the cross hammer. Cross then starts to climb the cage, and McIntyre recovered, grabbed Cross, nailing a huge superplex out to the floor. McIntyre attempted to escape through the cage, but Scarlett all of a sudden again interferes. These steel cage matches, they usually are made to keep outside interference on the outside. Here we got Scarlett opening the door, and she maces McIntyre in the face, and she maces the referee. So we go from attempted Claymore, he's distracted, cross hammer, right? All of a sudden, Cross is trying to get out of the door, McIntyre comes over. He gets maced in the face. Referee gets maced in the face. Cross is attempting to crawl out of the ring. McIntyre comes back with an ankle lock. So he gets the ankle lock on Cross. Cross tries to fight back. McIntyre pulls him back into the middle of the ring. McIntyre cuts him out with a kick. Scarlett, all of a sudden, while all this is happening, she feels the need to lock the door again, and she locks both men in the cage. So Scarlett closed the cage door. And she has the key. She's swinging the key around, and McIntyre now has to win this match uh, in another way. So McIntyre started to climb the cage, and, and Scarlett is seeing this. She's like, oh, shit. My guy's down, and this guy's climbing. Let me open the door to give Cross the opportunity to crawl out of the cage. So now we're getting a race with McIntyre climbing up the cage and Cross trying to crawl out of the cage through the door. She's frantically there trying to unlock. Cross is trying to exit. McIntyre jumped to the floor first. Cross wasn't even out of the ring at all. Half of his body was out of the ring, but he was still in the ring. He was hanging on to the steel steps. McIntyre drops down. One, two, three, and that's it. McIntyre wins the match by both feet hitting the floor, and Cross loses without taking a pinfall. I thought this ending was great. 
It keeps Cross looking strong, and he's not pinned. And it looks like we're getting, maybe, maybe this is the end. Maybe this is the end. I mean, looking at what happened here, does it warrant another match? I don't think so. Right? Based on the outcome of the match and the way things happened, they tried to cheat. They, and whatever they planned got ruined. McIntyre outsmarted them. He was was quicker than them. He won the match. Does the outcome warrant another match? No, it does not. Does the stipulation of both guys, is Cross going to want another match being the heel, not being pinned? He feels like he was not really beaten by McIntyre. I could feel we get another match with Scarlett not being involved. I think Scarlett needs to not be involved. This was a great way to keep Cross looking strong. This was a great way to get McIntyre a win over Cross in this feud. The third match, if we do get one, will be without Scarlett, and it will be Cross getting the decisive victory over McIntyre, ending this feud. Does it happen at Survivor Series? Does it happen on SmackDown? We don't know. We don't know. But I thought this match was fun. I thought the pace was picked up. It made for a better match for Cross. Crowd was into it. And the ending with Scarlett interfering once, distracting McIntyre, and then the mace and the race between Cross and McIntyre to escape through the door and over the cage, I thought was great. I thought it was very good. McIntyre wins. We could be heading towards another match between these two. Judgment Day. This is Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley. They went up against the original club in AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. Carl Anderson, Carl Anderson was supposed to be wrestling at a New Japan show this uh, afternoon, defending his never open weight championship against Hikuleo. And his appearance was pulled. And he will defend that title on his own time. When? I don't know. So we will see what happens with uh, Carl Anderson. But it seems to be that Carl Anderson and this uh, New Japan thing with the Never Open Weight Championship is some elaborate, worked storyline going into WWE. And I don't know what's going to come out of it. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that. This was a fine Six-man tag team match. Crowd was into it. Pretty basic. Nothing that we haven't seen before between both of these teams. I think we'll get a little bit more of an intense match at Survivor Series. I do believe that with Judgment Day winning here, which they did, I think the equalizer will be Edge joining the OC. I think he'll be a part of the original club for one night only. He'll don some bullet club-like attire, and he'll be an honorary club member for one night only. And we'll get the OC getting the victory over the Judgment Day at Survivor Series. That is my prediction. It's definitely setting up a returning edge in Beth Phoenix. Or or we could get a situation where Rhea Ripley and Edge, uh, uh, not Rhea Ripley and Edge, Rhea Ripley and Beth Phoenix are involved in in the Survivor Series match. And we get three on three with the ladies. So we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe maybe we get AJ, maybe we get the club, and maybe we get Beth Phoenix involved with Judgment Day. I don't know. And Rhea Ripley, I don't know. It's very, very confusing with the uh, numbers game going into Survivor Series because we have three club members. We got four Judgment Day members, and Rhea Ripley being the fourth. I know she doesn't really wrestle the guys, 
And I don't think I could remember seeing a Survivor Series match with women added to it, making it a mixed Survivor Series match. Maybe the first time ever. But I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna maneuver that. I don't know how they're gonna weave that into Survivor Series. So we'll see what happens. Or, or maybe we just get Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley one on one just by themselves. Maybe we just get that. So we'll see what happens. But this this was fine. P- pretty basic. I was looking forward to this, but we didn't really get anything new coming out of this. Anderson and Balor started things off, and Michael Cole. Michael Cole on commentary popped the IWC by explicitly mentioning the Bullet Club on commentary. He explicitly mentioned Carl Anderson as the never open weight champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So right then and there, you know that this all is a worked storyline with New Japan and WWE. OC worked over Mysterio Dominic, Mysterio that is, in their corner. Priest comes in, super kicks Anderson to the outside. This allowed Dominic and Judgment Day to take advantage. Anderson was being worked on. Most of the match, Anderson was being worked on. He is free, tags in gallows. He cleared house. They attempt the magic killer on Dominic Mysterio. Priest cut them off. Balor and Styles are tagged in. They are going at it. Styles attempted the Styles clash, but Balor cut him off. Applied a figure four leg lock. Balor went to the top rope. Styles cut him off. Eventually, everyone got back in the ring. Styles hits a superplex, and the Good Brothers laid out Judgment Day with a double electric chair. Rhea Ripley gets involved, and she suddenly grabs Styles on the outside and dropped him face first on the ring apron in an electric chair. This eventually allowed Balor to take advantage. He sees Styles down. He climbs the top rope. Coup de grace for the win, and that is it. Judgment Day gets the victory. And they get another victory over AJ Styles and the OC. Again, I don't know where we're going into Survivor Series. I could see the OC teaming up with Edge against Judgment Day. I could see it. But then we need another male Judgment Day member joining. Because all we got is Dominic, Finn, and Damian Priest. So if we include Edge, which I'm assuming they will, that is realistically a four-on-three. Now, I don't know why we would leave Edge out of Survivor Series, but I think that's where they're going to go with this. We could add Beth Phoenix to OC and Rhea Ripley to Judgment Day, making it a four-on-four, but I don't know why you would want Beth on the team and not be standing next to her husband. I don't get it. So it's a very weird situation. They may have to add another member to Judgment Day. I don't know who that could be, if that is even the plan. Five-on-five Survivor Series match. And we could get that, or four-on-four, I should say. So we could, or five-on-five, depending on if they want to add Rhea Ripley to it. I don't know why they wouldn't. She's the biggest star in the entire group. Very confusing. And they could go, realistically, any way they want. So we will see what happens with that. But uh, it should all come to an end, really. This Edge and Judgment Day thing, it should all come to an end after what they did at Extreme Rules, that great match that they had with Edge and Balor. And that great ending that they had laying out Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley looking like a savage. It should all realistically come to an end at Survivor Series. And I feel like Edge will be back. Moving on. Braun Strowman. He went one-on-one with the mighty... (laughs) The mighty Omas, 
in Crown Jewel against Braun Strowman. Now, if you guys watched my podcast with Don Tony on Thursday, there was a question. There was a question. I may have new people in here that are just finding their show. Oh, my God, this guy's a fucking lunatic. Hey, listen, man, this is what we do, okay? Um, there was a question, and he raised the question of who is the best return? Who is the best return in the Triple H administration right now? Now, normally, I would have said Johnny Gargano, but I feel like Johnny Gargano hasn't really made that much of an impact in what he's done. So the answer may surprise you, and I said Braun Strowman. Simply because I think Braun Strowman has been booked pretty decently. I think he's been booked perfectly since being back in the WWE. And that was the one thing that I was really on the fence about. Are they going to make him feel new? Are they going to really make him feel fresh? Are they going to really just go back and rest on their laurels and just give him, you know, what makes him into the monster of all monsters, the monster among men, right? And that's exactly what they did. He's felt he's felt good. He's looked good. He hasn't overstayed his welcome, which I can appreciate. We're getting Braun Strowman in small doses. I don't mind him being back. I don't. I was very, very skeptical of this match. Very skeptical because I think Braun Strowman is fine. I think Omos, we've already hit our ceiling with Omos. There's nothing more for Omos to do in WWE. Omos will never be a world champion Omos is boring. I've seen some fucking irrelevant hacks online saying that Omos has gotten better. I mean, where has he gotten better? Where has Omos gotten better? The reason why Omos looked good tonight was because he was in there with somebody that he can't really, you know, fuck up with. How are you going to fuck up with somebody like Braun Strowman? It was a basic match. But I will say this. It didn't overstay its welcome. They didn't make an embarrassment out of each other. They didn't go in there and create a train wreck that I expected them to. It lasted about five minutes, and that was it. They played up to Omas' strengths, which is basically nothing. And Braun Strowman took some offense from Omas, came back, overpowered him like I expected him to. Power slam, one, two, three, and that was it. This was basically in the same format as Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, but not as good. But it did not overstay its welcome, and it didn't make an embarrassment out of the entire show. They didn't make an embarrassment out of themselves, and it was fine for what it was. I can't really complain. The fact that they didn't fuck up and they didn't make this match into a disaster, I can't really complain about it. I can't. Omos, he looked okay. And almost dared Strowman right at the top to a test of strength challenge with him. Strowman agreed, and the height difference between Strowman and Omas is pretty impressive, I gotta say. So Omas overpowered Strowman, and they did the test of strength. Omas cheated with a knee to the midsection. Then he throws Strowman into the corner, splash in the corner. Omas then hits a big boot on Strowman. Strowman cut off Omos, and Omos fired back with a body slam with ease. Picks up Braun Strowman. Strowman attempted a body slam on Omos, but Omos body slammed him again using one arm. 
Omos continued to dominate Braun Strowman. He threw Strowman across the ring like he was throwing a sack of potatoes. Omos went for the big Kali slam. Strowman cut him off and finally managed to clothesline him out to the floor. Did not happen the first time, but he got him eventually over the top rope to the floor. Strowman, he's in the ring. He does the wee He does the big Strowman Express. You know, Strowman running around, right? Yeah. And uh, Strowman went for the uh, Strowman Express, and Omos tackled him to the ground. It's like Strowman went into a fucking brick wall. The Strowman Express was derailed in Saudi Arabia. So Strowman, he is now down on the floor, sending Strowman back into the ring. And Strowman, he overpowered another tree slam giant Kali attempt. And Omos missed a big charge in the corner. This gave Strowman the opportunity, saw an opening. He planted Omos with one running power slam. And Omos falls one, two, three. Braun Strowman wins, and that's it. I don't know what else you want me to say, man. What else do you want out of me tonight? Where does Omos go from here? Omos made all this big stink. Oh, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I beat jobbers uh, fucking in numbers more than you did. Where does Omos go from here? All this did to me, all this did to show me was that Omos talks a big game. He can't back it up. And Strowman is the true monster of WWE. So I ask, why do we need Omos in WWE when we have everything we need in Braun Strowman? Omos was nothing more than a Walmart great value big man that replaced Braun Strowman because Vince didn't want Strowman on the roster because Strowman was making too much money and he felt like he had everything he needed in Omos at a lot lower of a contract. Goodbye. Get him out. We don't need Omos on television anymore. There's nothing else that I want to see from him. There's no one I want to see him in the ring with. You got your one token big man match. That's, That's it. Goodbye. Get about. Usos. We're chugging right along here, man. Usos. The undisputed tag team champions of WWE. They went up against the brawling Brutes. This is Butch, who they mistakenly said Pete on the pre-show. Good. Hopefully we're one step closer to Pete actually getting back. Butch. Reggie. You know, one of my jokes, you know, Triple H is taking my jokes away from me, man. Right? Can't do the butch anymore. Let me at him, Scoob. I can't do it no more because he's not acting that way. Good. Don't know why we're calling him butch. Let's get him back to Pete Dunn. This match was very good. Guys expected with the Usos, man. I don't think the Usos are capable of a bad match. And the Brawling Brutes, they're one of the hottest groups in all of WWE. Now, Michael Cole said something about this match, or or something about Jey Uso, I should say, in particular, going into this match. He said Jey Uso told him that he feels like he has a broken wrist, and he's set to get an MRI this week. Now, I hope that there's nothing wrong with it. We've seen wrestlers wrestle with a broken wrist. I know Britt Baker's wrestled with a broken wrist. I know Adam Cole's wrestled with a broken wrist. Right? I know he did it on NXT. I know Britt Baker did it in AEW. 
I don't know how bad the injury is. I hope it's not. Or I hope it's at least a storyline to kind of sell what they're doing right now and kind of maybe feel like the Usos are in a weakened state going into their tag team match with the New Day on Friday. I I don't know. But he mentioned something about Jay Uso telling him that he feels like he has a broken wrist and that he's going to need an MRI next. I hope that's not the case. If the Usos cannot wrestle, I don't know what we do here. Or if Jay Uso is out for an extended period of time, I don't know what we do here. Because the whole story, one of the biggest parts of WrestleMania season is going to be the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Because that's exactly what it needs to be. And that's when the tag team championships needs to change hands to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I hope it's not serious. Now, after the New Day match, they may take a little bit of an extended break. I don't know. Listen, it's, it's not going to be a fucking holiday here. They're going from the New Day to War Games. Hopefully, it's not serious. Without the Usos, how the fuck do we have War Games? You know? So, hopefully, it's something that could rectify itself over the next couple of weeks. I know they got this match with the New Day on Friday, but hopefully, they, they are not in anything too strenuous going into War Games. He looked fine tonight. He did. He looked great in the main event tonight when they interfered against Jake Paul. So hopefully it's nothing serious. Usos attempted to leave the rings with the titles. Butch cut them off. Started to work over Jimmy. Usos gained control going up against Butch and kind of grounding him and positioning him in their corner of the ring. Butch cut Jimmy off of the Tornado DDT. Rich Holland comes in, runs wild on both Usos. After laying both guys out, Holland paid tribute to Sheamus, who just got married this past weekend in New York. He did the nine punches to the chest of Jay outside on the apron. Also on the outside, the Brawling Brutes gained revenge over uh, over Sheamus by stomping Jay's hand on the steps. So I guess they're playing up that, uh, that hand or wrist injury and kind of targeting Jay's wrist, which was heavily taped up tonight. Holland continued to work over Jay inside the ring. Butch hits a moonsault on Jay for a near fall. Usos began to fight back with super kicks as Jimmy hit a splash on Butch. Butch grabbed a triangle. Jimmy managed to tag back into Jay as the two hit a double splash on Butch for a near fall with Holland breaking up the pin barely. Butch adjusted Jay's hand, uh, which he did the, uh, the the snapping of the fingers, which is a Pete Dunn stable, uh, staple. This allowed Holland to come back in and hit white noise for a near fall. Another uh, tribute to Sheamus. Jimmy broke up another pinfall attempt. Butch went to the top rope, but didn't see Jay tag in Jimmy. Now, this was great because at one point, I believe it was Jay Uso with a super kick to Butch, I believe it was. He had his shirt down around his ankles, and he still delivered a super kick and did uh, what what he was about to do next. This allowed both Usos to get in position for the 1D. Butch is on top. Jay Uso super kicked Butch in the face with the shirt around his ankles. They come off the top and hit a 1D off the second turnbuckle. Elevation, high elevation 1D, and that was it for the Usos. They retained the tag team championships. No interference, no shenanigans, no uh, no uh, solo Sokoa. Sammy wasn't in Saudi Arabia. No outside interference. They get the job done against the Brawling Brutes. Very good match. All four of these guys are very good. And War Games is coming up, and it looks like we may be getting the Brawling Brutes against the Bloodline inside War Games. I believe it's five on five. I believe it's five on five. 
I think they mentioned that somewhere in the uh, graphic tonight. They showed twice, which I'm very disappointed by. They uh, have the official theme music as Ozzy Osbourne War Pigs for War Games. I mean, listen, Paul, Triple H, bro. Alter Bridge, This Is War was right there. This Is War was right there for you to use, bro. I try. know Triple H loves his Ozzy. He loves his, his, his Megadeth. He loves his Metallica. He loves his uh, Motorhead. I mean, get out of the 70s and 80s, bro. Alter Bridge was right there. Just my honest take. Anyway, uh, War Games, Bloodline, Roman, Solo, Usos, and Sammy. Five. Against the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Butch, Rich Holland, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. That's my prediction for War Games. I think that's going to be awesome. Now, it could be. It could be the New Day. It could be Drew McIntyre, and it could be Kevin Owens. We don't know. That was my original pitch. But now that I see uh, the New Day kind of involved with the Usos, maybe they just keep the New Day going for the next couple of weeks after this tag team title match on Friday, and we get the Brawling Brutes and the Usos. Uh, the Brewing Brutes, rather, in the New Day against the Usos, Roman, and Solo, and Sammy. So this is uh, going to be something I'm looking forward to, man. It's going to be very interesting to see what develops over the next couple of weeks going into war games at Survivor Series. Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair. Raw Women's Champion defeated Bailey to retain said Raw Women's Championship at Crown Jewel. This was very good. Not going to lie, this was very good. This was probably the best match that these two ladies have had. I think with Bailey and her return kind of being eh, very blah return, damage controls felt off. I think Bailey kind of went into this, and I think this was the best Bailey has looked all in her WWE return so far. I didn't expect Bianca to lose the championship. I think Bianca is a great champion. I think Bianca is very good at what she does. I think Bianca has the WWE management team and and the machine behind her, which is a great thing. I think Bianca, I'll I'll tell you where I see Bianca going into WrestleMania. SmackDown's title may already be locked up. I'm assuming we're going to get Ronda and Becky at WrestleMania. So where does that leave Bianca? I think there's only one answer for that question. There's only one woman I want to see against Bianca Belair, and it's not EO or Bailey or Sasha or Candice LeRae or anybody else. So with Bianca winning this match, the one woman I want to see built up as the one threat to take the title off of Bianca is Rhea Ripley. That's it. There's nobody else. The match should have been done. She never got her match. She hasn't wrestled really on the main roster at all. She's been more of a China role in Judgment Day. She's absolutely owned everything she's been in. I think Rhea Ripley going into WrestleMania season, I think Becky wins the Royal Rumble. And I do think that Rhea Ripley wins the Elimination Chamber and gets Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. That's the only way I want to see it. That is the one woman that needs to take the title off of Bianca Belair because a star is being made, and we need to take that and enhance it. And anybody else is not going to be sufficient and suitable enough. But up until then, Bianca's fine. This was fun. This was fun. Weapons, there was a golf cart, there was a table, kendo sticks, chairs, a ladder, 
typical WWE, you know, weapons all over the place, but this was fun. Belair gained the advantage early, throwing Bailey to the outside. Bailey grabs a kendo stick. She comes back into the ring. Belair avoided some shots, cut off Bailey. Bailey exited the ring, grabbed the steel chair, and Belair is just kind of avoiding all of Bailey's attacks here, right? Bailey took out a ladder, put it in the ring. She's like, all right, chairs are not working, candlesticks are not working. She takes a ladder out from underneath the ring. She puts it in the ring. Belair took out Bailey with a plancha out to the floor. Bailey cut off Belair and hit a big vertical suplex on the floor. Bailey then sat down Belair in one of the steel chairs in the aisleway, climbed the barricade, and jumped off the, par- the barricade, hitting a running clothesline on Bianca, kind of folding her over, flipping over into the steel chair. Awesome. Bailey kind of, you know, was in the mood to just bring out anything she can to win this match. First a ladder, now she pulls out a table. So she introduces a table to the match. She went back to Belair. Belair counted with a suplex on the entrance ramp, which made a loud thud. Bailey pretended to injure her knee. I, I listen. Bailey is so good, man. I thought that she had slipped. Oh, there was a the ramp. There's a little portion of the ramp where it kind of dips down into a lower portion, and it looked like he had, she had slipped and didn't know where her footing was and kind of twisted her leg or twisted her knee. I thought she was legitimately hurt here. So the referee was pulling Bianca back. No, nope, no, nope, let me check on her. Let me check on her. So uh, a, a few seconds went by. And Bailey pretended to injure her knee and used this opportunity to play possum and jumped on Belair and took advantage of the situation. That was great. Belair cut off Bailey by throwing a chair right at Bailey's head. And then Bailey cut her off and again, this time dragged her to the outside. She pinned Bianca against the steel steps. There was a steel steps on the opposite side of the ring. And she squished Bianca between the steel steps and the ring apron. So she had trapped Bianca in this uh, steel stair prison here. So she is in this steel steps predicament. Bailey blasted Belair with a kendo stick multiple times. Belair eventually escaped, grabbed one of the steps. She jumps on one of the stairs and then takes the other half in her arms and she threw it to the floor. Belair gave Bailey a spine buster to the floor, which then uh, both of them after that battled up the entranceway. Bailey blocked some kendo stick shots and instead gave Belair a Bailey to belly on the entrance ramp. Belair got up before a 10, and Bailey somehow trapped Belair in a production case. I don't know where it came from, but it was there. She threw Belair in a production case, and the referee started to count. Belair escaped. Her ponytail became trapped in the case at one point. I didn't think she was going to make it. Belair escaped and went for the KOD, but Bailey seen it coming and got her in a crossface. Bailey then all of a sudden disappears. She goes to the side entrance, up the entranceway to the side of the stage, and she reemerges with a golf cart. So she's driving a golf cart. Out to the match, into the match. Belair just barely avoided getting hit by it. I mean, this was not Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara type fucking speeding with a golf cart. I mean, it could have been a little bit more, uh, a little bit more risque, but they were taking uh, it very cautiously out there. She avoided getting hit by it. 
Bailey went for a move off the top of the golf cart, but instead the two brawled on top of the golf cart, which was great. It was a nice visual. Belair got into the golf cart. Bailey's on top of the golf cart, and she drives this golf cart down to the ringside area, right in front of the table that they had set up earlier in the match. So now they're on top of the golf cart, and Bailey is in a position where Belair is about to drive her through this table off the top of the golf cart. She takes Bailey off the top of the golf cart and tries to put her through the table. Bailey bounces off the table. The table doesn't break, and it just looks awful. It didn't look awful, but it looked awful for Bailey because the table didn't break, and it looked like she hit her small of the back, small of her back onto the side of the table. It was, it was not pretty at all. There were a couple moments, this one being one of them, that looked where Bailey kind of injured herself. This was the second of three spots that I thought that she injured herself. So she then eventually is put through the table, and the table is broken, and then they get back into the ring. So, Belair power bombs Bailey through the table. They're back in the ring now. Belair introduced a bunch of chairs into the ring. Belair went for a 450, but Bailey moved out of the way, and Belair goes right into a face, face first in, uh, in a bunch of chairs. Belair makes it back up to a nine. Bailey is in the ring. She attempts to set up the ladder. Belair fought back, hit the KOD on top of a chair that was uh, upright in the seated position. Belair then puts Bailey. This was one of the most ingenious spots that I've seen in any last man standing match. This was fucking great. The ladder is introduced. And, and Bailey, it looked like she had tweaked her knee again in this spot. Uh, I'm glad she didn't. Belair puts Bailey inside the ladder. And now she's inside the ladder. She sandwiches Bailey inside the ladder and she shoves the ladder underneath the ring. Uh, turnbuckle in the corner and positions the ladder in the corner and Bailey is stuck there while the referee is counting. He's up to a six, a seven, and Bailey can't get out. She's trying to maneuver and worm her way out from underneath this ladder and underneath the ropes. She doesn't make it. And Belair, ingenious, stops Bailey from getting to her feet by trapping her in a ladder underneath the turnbuckle, underneath the ropes, and Belair retains the title Excellent ending to what I thought was a very fun, very physical match that I saw. Looked like it was Bailey's best match since returning, and hopefully an end to the singles matches between Belair and Bailey. We don't need to see any more. We don't need to see any more at all. So now we go into war games. Now I know we go into war games. I do think that Bianca is going to align herself with. Who she's aligned herself with, possibly, possibly we see Becky Lynch come back. I think this is the perfect opportunity to do so. And I think we get Sasha coming back and aligning herself with Bailey. I do. Whether that means Nikki Cross is going to join Damage Control or Naomi is going to join Sasha with Damage Control. Either way, I'm excited for it. And this should be the conclusion of this war between Bailey and Damage Control against Bianca and her team of girls. That's it. Now, the tag team titles are on damage control. Bailey has now failed at opportunity after opportunity for the women's title. I do think that damage control, I do think that Bailey ends up getting the ultimate revenge by winning the first ever war games at Survivor Series in Boston. That's just me. And then we can move Bianca on to a couple of, uh, you know, mini feuds. And then hopefully uh, during WrestleMania season, we get Bianca versus Rhea Ripley kind of emerging as the main women's program going into WrestleMania. I think that's the right way to go about it. 
Bray Wyatt. We got a Bray Wyatt entrance and a Bray Wyatt appearance at Crown Jewel. He made his long ring entrance. He had his lantern. His music played in full. The lights were out. Fans were holding up their fireflies with the cell phones. It was in the middle of the ring. We got a nice welcome back chant. He's been back for four weeks now. He's been back for four weeks. I think we're past the welcome back phase. He introduced himself and says he wants everyone to know who he is. He says he comes from a prestigious wrestling family. It's the first time he's mentioned his wrestling family in one of these promos. Could Uncle Howdy be Bo Dallas? Could the woman in the vignette last night on SmackDown be Mika Rotunda? We don't know. Only rumor at this point. He comes from a prestigious wrestling family. Some might say they're even larger than life. From time to time, or from the time I was a little child, all I wanted to be was great. But great wasn't good enough. I had to be the greatest of them all. Fans chanted, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Bray says he did what he thought he needed to do and gave in. I gave in so much that I made a monster of myself. I wore my mask with pride, and it didn't take me long to realize when I wore that mask, I didn't feel any pain, and I could no longer be afraid. He said he was untouchable, and that kind of feeling, that kind of thing, it just feels right. It just feels good. He said sensations like that are impossible to quit. He says he found himself in a kingdom of nothingness, sitting on an island all by himself, as a monster he had made himself into, ultimately destroyed him. He said it ran off everyone he ever loved. There I sat alone. No one to love me. Nowhere to run. All alone. The crowd in Riyadh chanted, we love you. We love you. Bryce said, that's the thing. People don't love me. They love the idea of me. They love the things I'm capable of. I don't even love me. He said that's not the man he wants to be remembered as. He says his name is Bray Wyatt. And he got angrier every time he said it. He said it three times. My name is Bray Wyatt. He says he wants to write the ending to his story the way he wants being back. All of a sudden, Uncle Howdy showed up on the screen and asked, why wear a mask? This masked figure on the Titantron said, you can fool them, but you cannot fool me. He said, the truth is he's going to give in, so why wait? He told him to remember how good it feels and said, it's good for him. If you're worried about the aftermath, don't take the mask off. Tell me, I want you to tell me I am wrong. And that was it. It kind of sounds like, you know, it, it kind of sounds like Bray is chasing a high. Kind of sounds like Bray is a recovering fucking alcoholic or a drug addict or a drug user. And he's being pressured into, once again, using drugs and going for another bottle, right? I don't know. I know a lot of people, I've seen a couple of people online saying, all right, enough is enough. It's getting a little stale. It's getting a little repetitive. 
Now, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go to that length and, and to those extremes saying that it's getting stale. I mean, the guy's been back for four fucking weeks. You're already calling him stale. What the fuck are you talking about? Everybody asked him to be back. Everybody wanted him back. And now after four weeks, you're already saying it's stale? Jesus fucking Christ, man. Do you have no patience whatsoever? I get it. People want a payoff. People want something. We're getting, we're getting there. I mean, the crumbs that he's leaving is the deterioration in Wyatt. The first Wyatt that we saw was met with overwhelming love. The Bray Wyatt that we saw on Friday, on SmackDown, the the Friday after Extreme Rules, was met with so much emotion that the old Bray Wyatts that we've seen have never given us. Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt never gave us that. The Fiend certainly never gave us that. So now we're seeing a human stripped-down version of Wind and Rotunda. And now we're... starting to see him devolve into what sounds to be a drug addict, right? We're starting to see him devolve into more of an angry, you know, individual, somebody that wants to commit these these acts, these heinous acts. He went from, on Friday, on SmackDown, he went from, you know, genuine to sad to frustrated to downright wanting to kill somebody who who interrupted his segment last night. Uncle Howdy, whoever Uncle Howdy is, I don't know who Uncle Howdy is. I don't know what the connection is with Alexa Bliss and how that's going to be presented in this storyline. I don't know who this female figure is that everybody's talking about coming out of Friday Night SmackDown in that vignette. They froze-framed it, right? And there's, there's, there's a woman in this vignette with Uncle Howdy with the Jigsaw little makeup uh, symbol, the, you know, the little swirl, red swirl logo of Jigsaw from the Saw movies. On her face, she looked like a little fucking creature, a little demon. I don't know who the fuck that is. Could be Alexa Bliss. Could be Liv Morgan. Could be Mika Rotunda. People are saying that his sister now is going to get involved. Bo Dallas, the family, is going to be involved. His father, right? His father, IRS, Mike Rotunda, is on social media now more than ever. Is he going to be involved in something with this storyline? We don't know. We don't know. Well, Jesus fucking Christ, guys, give it time. Give it time. I know one of the things he said, I don't know what this means, but he did mention family. Some say that they're larger than life. He comes from a very prestigious wrestling family. I don't know. I don't know what that means. That was the most interesting line in the entire thing, if you ask me. And then nobody loved him. No one to love me. I sat alone in this kingdom of nothingness. He said it ran him off and ran off everybody he's ever known. I think people need to just calm down and take a breather and be patient. And really, I hate it. Just let it play out, man. Honestly, he acknowledged his family. And it seems to me that that he's blaming his family for the dark change in his attitude over the years that we've seen him. And now he's trying to better himself, and those dark urges, those dark visions are trying to lure him back in. I don't know. All I know is I want to see more. I don't know how you guys feel. I want to see more of it. But everything he does is tremendous. The way he comes off, the way he speaks, the way he sounds, the, the, the presence of everything is just tremendous from him. I don't know why people are already, oh, he's boring. Just get on with it. It's four weeks. This guy's been back for four weeks, and you already want a conclusion to this storyline. Let me tell you something, man. This is going to go all the way till WrestleMania. You're going to see things just happen week after week after week after week. If you're not with the fucking program, if you're not on board, get the fuck out. There's the door. 
I'm going to tell you what everybody tells me. Oh, you're, you're so negative. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. Main event. Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. This was for the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. And this was something that I heavily criticized going into this show. And I stand on my mountaintop. I planted my flag at the top of that mountain, put my cap on said flag, and I'm sticking to it. I think whatever WWE does with these Saudi shows, the TV kind of suffers because of it because they don't really take it serious. They're already paid for these shows, and you know they do as minimal as possible to get through and give them the show that they want, and then they move on and go back to normal business as usual. So I do feel the last four weeks of W, the last four or five weeks of WWE TV have been a little ah, eh, a little lackluster. And I thank Crown Jewel for that. I thank these Saudi shows for that. Thank God we don't need to see one uh, again until maybe after WrestleMania. I criticized this match because I don't know what good this would have done Roman Reigns title. This was nothing more than a spectacle. It's just a detour on the way for Roman Reigns going into Survivor Series. Logan Paul's had two matches. He's getting a championship match, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not the only one that criticized it. I'm not the only one that gave a, eh, whatever. I know why they did it. Don't get me wrong, but it is what it is. Now, I knew it was going to be entertaining. I knew Logan Paul was going to show up to work. I I know after just watching him twice against uh, The Miz and teaming with Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania and then doing The Miz at SummerSlam, you know, what he did was tremendous. He's taken the celebrity appearance in WWE and elevated it to a point where I don't think anybody's going to be able to top what he's done already. That's a great fucking accolade for him. I know a lot of people want to pretend, hey, I could go wrestle. I'm a celebrity. Let me make an appearance on WWE and get involved in some way. Logan Paul's gotten involved. He's wrestled, and he's fucking blown everybody out of the water, which is a great deal. This was probably, it wasn't my favorite. I'm not going to take this over Brian Danielson. I'm not going to take this over an Edge or Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins. This was definitely one of the best Roman Reigns title matches in all of his 760-some-odd days as champion. Up until this point, one of the best title matches he's had in all of his tremendous title reign. And it comes at the hands of Logan Paul. That says a lot about Logan Paul. This was one of the best Roman Reigns matches in his run. This was one of the best WWE matches all year. I think it surprised a lot of people that he went in there with the world champion, the top guy in this industry, and gave the type of match that he gave. And three matches in. Three matches in is Logan Paul. He's probably better than half of the AEW roster. He's probably better than everybody that you see on Dark. AEW Dark. He's probably better than half of the WWE locker room. Logan Paul's probably better than people that that have been doing this for 10, 15 years and haven't hit stardom yet. Haven't hit one of the major promotions yet. That's just who Logan Paul is. And I can't really speak any more highly of him. Ending was great, a little overbooked. But the near falls were excellent. They tried to make it as believable as possible for Logan Paul to win this thing. They even 
interjected Jake Paul into this thing. Awesome stuff. Paul went for the one lucky punch early. Reigns went to the outside. Paul scored a fireman's carry early on Reigns, took him out with a punch. So he felt that punch early on. Reigns hit a suplex. Logan Paul kicks out at a one. Logan Paul with a tremendous leapfrog over Roman Reigns. He then hits a hip toss. Very stiff-looking hip toss on Roman Reigns. Clothesline Reigns out to the floor. Logan Paul then hits a crossbody off the ringside barricade onto Roman Reigns. So now we're getting hot and heavy on the outside. Paul hit what was, uh, I know a lot of people were tweeting about this. He hit a buckshot lariat on Roman Reigns in the first third of this match that looked absolutely beautiful. The momentum and the force on this buckshot lariat from Logan Paul got Roman Reigns for a very close near fall. Paul went for a springboard, but Roman Reigns connected with a punch. Reigns hits a back suplex. He slows the match down with a sleeper hold. Reigns takes Paul, punches him in the corner. He connects with a clothesline. Reigns charging in at one point, missed a charge in the corner, walked into a gut-wrench suplex by Logan Paul. Paul then hit a blockbuster for another close near fall on Roman Reigns. He then hit a Superman punch, and Michael Cole was going crazy. Logan Paul hits his own version of the Superman punch, which looked like more of a uh, Shawn Michaels flying elbow off the ropes. Shawn Michaels trained Logan Paul coming into this match. Hits a standing moonsault, goes for another cover, gets a two count. Very nicely done. Logan Paul then uh, goes into the corner. He starts tuning up the band like Shawn Michaels for a super kick. Looking for sweet chin music. Reigns caught Logan Paul in mid-super kick and gave him a rock bottom. Gave him a rock bottom. Reigns went for the Superman punch, his own Superman punch. Logan Paul hit his punch. And then a Superman punch for the closest near fall of the entire night that had fans on the edge of their seat. Reigns dragged himself out of the ring, and he's on the outside. Logan Paul starts to clear the uh, commentary table, the uh, Arab commentary team on the outside. Their uh, shit's about to get destroyed. So he grabbed one of uh, his boys in the front row, took one of their cell phones, which was... This was a cocky fucking prick move. I love this. He goes to one of his entourage on the outside, sitting front row. He takes their cell phone. He starts taking selfies of himself. He starts filming the arena. He starts filming himself. All of a sudden, he climbs to the top rope with the cell phone in hand. And he does a huge leap off the top rope through Roman Reigns, through the Arabic commentary table with the cell phone still in his hand. And the cell phone is still intact. Awesome. Absolutely incredible spot for Logan Paul. So the table is destroyed and the bloodline all of a sudden showed up and took out Logan Paul's boys in the front row. This brings out Jake Paul, who gets his own introduction. He gets his own theme music. He comes on out. He's like the enforcer now. He wasn't out there at any point in the match. He's now just making his first appearance. He knocked out both Usos. As Logan went to the top and hit a big frog splash on Roman Reigns, which looked absolutely beautiful on Roman Reigns, while Jake Paul's taking out the Usos. One, two, and Roman Reigns kicks out. Solo Sokoa. 
that makes his entrance. He gets his own ring entrance. He comes out because he's the street fighter, the prized fighter, right? He's the street champ in, uh, in, in the bloodline. He comes out. He confronted Jake Paul. Usos then recovered. Now we got Solo on one side. We got the Usos on the other and Jake Paul in the middle. All of a sudden, Logan Paul hits a flying plancha over the top, flying crossbody over the top, takes out the Usos. Reigns is in the ring, still kind of getting to his feet. Logan Paul is celebrating with Jake Paul on the outside. Logan Paul gets in the ring. Roman Reigns bounces off the ropes as soon as Logan gets in the ring. Superman punch, spear, one, two, three, and Roman Reigns wins and retains the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. Excellent. Excellent match. If you guys do not enjoy the Saudi shows and you do not agree with these shows and do not watch them, I urge you to go and watch this main event. It will probably be one of the best WWE main events all year. It was a little overbooked with Jake Paul getting his entrance and Solo getting his entrance and then the entourage getting involved and them being beat up in the ring and then everything that transpired. But it really kind of took Logan Paul out of it for a little bit, which kind of protected him a little bit. He did lose because of this. Reigns took advantage, which, you know, the champion in that case being Roman Reigns should do. And Logan Paul, even though suffered defeat, I mean, I don't give a fuck how many times the guy loses. You're going to put on a performance like that. I mean, there's no way you're going to walk out anything but a winner. This was tremendous. One of the best title matches that Roman Reigns has had in all 760-some-odd days. And one of the best WWE main events all year. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Now, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to surprise you, okay? I know you guys were taken back by, uh, by Alexa Kai. I was positive about Alexa Bliss, right? Here's another one for you. And I said this to myself while watching this show. Now, this obviously, I- I'm going to mention what I'm going to tell you. I-, I-, I want Roman Reigns to be away from the WWE title. I want him to lose the title, okay? Whoever that may be, too, we don't know. Could be Cody. Could be Wyatt. Could be Rollins. We, we don't know. Could be, uh, could be Braun Breaker. We don't know. As soon as, I don't know how long Logan Paul is going to be with WWE. He signed a multi-year deal. We don't know what that entails. If Logan Paul continues to put on performances like this, and Logan Paul is somebody that went in there with the biggest name in the entire industry right now, Roman Reigns, and had this type of match, if the time is right, and they want to shock people, and they want to generate headlines... And it makes sense. And he wants to be there a little bit more regularly. I would not be opposed to Logan Paul winning the WWE Championship. I would not. I'm not saying he's got to go on a fucking six-month tirade with the championship. But I'm saying maybe for, if it makes sense, maybe we have him win it at a pay-per-view and hold it for a month and then drop it back to whomever he's fighting. I don't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. I mean, look at the fucking... The, the, the proof is in the pudding here. If he can handle this type of match and give you this type of man, why the fuck not? Why not? Now, I would never say that about some fucking celebrity coming on in who's fucking half-assing this shit. But if this is the type of shit that he's going to be giving us and he's better than fucking half the people you see on TV, why not? I've been very critical of certain things. I've been critical of this match. 
But I would be okay with that for one month to see what he does as far as holding the championship. It's got to make sense, though. Got to make sense. Tell me, tell me you just didn't say that? I mean, the proof is in the point. You're going you're gonna to tell me that the man, the man didn't put on a world championship performance tonight? Go watch the match. Some of you may be here didn't watch the match. Go watch the fucking match and tell me, where am I telling lies? They didn't put on a world championship caliber performance. Where am I telling lies? I'm not saying he's got to be Roman Reigns holding the belt for 400 days, 500 days. But I'm saying, look at what he did. Look at what he did. I could see it one day down the line. I could see it. I'm not saying we got to give him the championship now. This is going to happen. This is not even, we're not even through half of a year of him being there on what I assume is a three, four year contract. Somewhere down the line. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that's all I got for you guys. I thought Crown Jewel was a banger show. I thought this was the best Crown Jewel that WWE's put on. I thought they did a very good job at giving you a great show on a Saturday afternoon. And now we can focus and move on to Survivor Series, which I'm very excited about. Anyway, we're going to get into the Super Chats, man. First, I want to shout out my sponsor, though. My sponsor for today's show is Blue Chew. My great friends over at Blue Chew. Now, I don't know where you guys are on the East Coast, man. It was 70 degrees today. It's going to be 74 degrees tomorrow. Still feels like summer around these parts, man. And it's time to bring that heat to the bedroom. The temperatures aren't the only thing rising, and Blue Chew is going to get you where you need to be, man. Confidence can take you guys far in life. It also could help in the bedroom, especially when it comes to stepping up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew gets involved. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever that opportunity arises, and the process is so easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at a pharmacy. And they're made in the USA. And they are prepared and shipped direct to you. Very discreetly. First impressions, guys. Logan Paul gave us a great first impression. And he's maintained that up until tonight through Roman Reigns in that world title match with Blue Chew. Think of it as Logan Paul, man. Great first impression, and Logan Paul after tonight made a lasting impression. And that's what Blue Chew's going to do, man. First and lasting impressions taken care of. BlueChew.com. If you guys can benefit from that extra confidence, why not give it a shot? BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. I want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the show tonight on OTS. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. First, I want to uh, I want to shout out my new members. We got some new members tonight 
Always love to see new members, man, in the VIP club. I want to shout out Maddie Harris, Noel, J2 Serious, 88 Keys, Antonio, Josh, Spicy, Willie Goat, Sinto, C, Tyler, Jamarcus Shaw, LJ, Best Ever, and Whitney Oliver became a new member tonight. Thank you guys so very much. What the fuck are you guys drinking? Awesome stuff. Tyler, we start at the top, man. Tyler, four ninety nine super chat. Sasha and Naomi were added back to the WWE starting intro before Crown Jewel tonight. That's a good sign. They are coming back soon. Absolutely, I talked about that in the post show tonight. Tyler, thank you so very much, brother. Michelle Moran with a five dollar super chat. Not a bad pay per view. The main event is match of the night. Logan Paul is impressive. Maybe at Survivor Series we get the Bloodline versus Brawling Brutes and Logan Paul and Jake Paul in War Games. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, I would rather give that spot to somebody on the full-time roster, but uh, it's a possibility. Colin Hutton with a $50 super chat. Logan Paul looked good, too good, and that's the problem. The match was not believable. Logan Paul made wrestling look easy. It's not. Roman sold too much, and the match was too long. Roman beat much bigger monsters in such a shorter amount of time. That's because there's bigger things planned for Logan Paul, bro. You're not going to bring in Logan Paul, who's a natural athlete, and have him go in there and give you a five-minute match with Roman Reigns. It's easy to put Roman Reigns in there against somebody who's not a real professional wrestler and squash him in five to seven minutes. It's another thing to have him go in there, build this match up as a spectacle, and then have him go out there and do 20 minutes. There's bigger things in line for Logan Paul, and that's why I said what I said at the end of the show. Ricky E245 with a $20 super chat. Hey, JD, I think we might see the Paul brothers versus the Usos at WrestleMania. No. No. We're not doing Jake and Logan Paul over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, bro. Get out. Get out with that idea. Come on. No way at all. The story is Sammy, and the story is Kevin Owens. Sammy's not going to be in the bloodline forever, and Kevin Owens is going to be the one to snap some sense into him. Derek Craig becomes a new member. Thank you, Derek. What are you drinking, brother? Miles Marable with three months. Thank you, Miles. OTS for life, says Miles. Paul David. With a $10 super chat. That's it for Crown Jewel. Next, all eyes on Tennessee versus Georgia. I am not into college football at all, bro. Enjoy yourself. Adam Hernandez with a $20 super chat. JD, can you give a shout out to Elise for being a badass worker and an amazing mother? Also, tell her to touch some grass too. Elise, honey, listen, go go and touch some grass. Please. The sun is great for you. You need some vitamin D. Go touch a nice a nice lawn somewhere. It's good for your health every now and then. Ulysses. Well, the $5 Super Chat. It was a decent show, but you can tell that Saudi crowd don't get to see wrestling live enough. They thought everything was awesome. Like the Lego movie. I've never seen the Lego movie. I like Lego Masters on Fox, but 
Um, let them enjoy themselves, Ulysses. Uh, I do agree, though, that uh, some of the things that they were chanting this is awesome to were uh, not really all that awesome, but they want to have fun. Good. They were a very energetic crowd. That's all I asked for. Ulysses also with a $10 super chat really thought Bailey was going to win. And they are playing up one of the Usos being injured to possibly get Sammy to tag with Jay to keep defending the titles and show even more tension between them. Possibly. That crossed my mind as well. DX Tricksters with a 17-month membership. Thank you, DX Tricksters. Logan Paul has no right to be as good as he is. You can see he's taking it seriously, but not fooling around, and it shows. Absolutely. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Overall, this was the best Saudi Arabia show that WWE's ever put on. I agree. 100%. Ulysses with the $2 Super Chat. Who does Roman fight now? Stroman, maybe. I don't care. War games. Santos, new member. Thank you, bro. Or Santo with a new member. Jesse Caro with a 19-month membership. Please, for the love of God, burn the women's tag team titles. Flip-flop just have uh, just to have title change in Saudi Arabia. Keep up the great work, JD. Get them out. Get them out. Sinister with a four-month membership. Hey, JD, today's my 20th birthday. I've been here since I was 18 and want to give the tribal chief of the IWC his flowers. Love you, JD. Hashtag OTS for life. Everybody in the chat, let me see those birthday cake emojis for Sinister. He's not old enough to drink legally yet. So right now, only birthday cake emojis. Next year, we'll give Sinister those whiskey glass emojis. Somebody get Sinister a nice fucking Pepsi over ice. Cody Snyder with a $5 Super Chat. Hashtag Logan Love Fest. Thankful for these shows. They are doubly excitement each pay-per-view day. An additional main event. Thank you, Cody Snyder. That's comment of the night right there, bro. Thank you so much. Not today, Jay, with a $4.99 Super Chat. They need to get rid of the tag team championships because they aren't, uh, there aren't enough women to have a tag team division. Yes. You would think that some of the geek check marks out there that would... Uh, you know, cover this shit would come to such a logical fucking understanding. They don't. They take what they're given and they sit there like good little soy boys. Dom Wapo with a 199 Super Chat. I was hyped to see Jake and Solo go at it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Everybody got their own superstar entrance tonight. Game time flip. With a $5 Super Chat. What's up, OTS? Hey, JD, I was just wondering if you will ever bring back Mario Kart Mondays. No. It was one of my favorite series on the channel. See you tomorrow. Now, we're not doing uh, Mario Kart Mondays anymore, bro. Ulysses with a $10 Super Chat. JD, I may love Io Shirai as much as you love Sasha. I was wondering, do you think Io can become a great talent on the main roster like she was in NXT and casual roster fans will take to her like Asuka? She can if the opportunity presents itself. They felt like to get her over to a point where she needs to be, let's pair, pair her with Bailey. Has it worked? I don't know. But Io on War Games... You're going to see a whole different side of EO in war games. I'm telling you right now. 
Willem Hendrick Fullard with a 24-month membership. Still supporting you, brother. It's a privilege to be a follower of your work, and no matter what, I will support the ace of the IWC. Willem, you're getting that gold microphone, brother. One more month, and you got that gold microphone, man. As soon as it's 25 months, as soon as you get all through 24 months, bro, you got that gold microphone, man. That's quite the accomplishment. You're in very elite territory right now. Thank you, brother. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. People are saying Sasha and Naomi were put back in the then, now, forever together intro. I didn't see it. Go back and watch it again, bro. It's there. It is definitely there. Ulysses with a five dollar super chat. JD besides Sasha and Bailey, what other woman do you love and praise highly from any promotion? Also, do you think Soraya will have a match at Full Gear? Yes, I do. She will be wrestling Britt Baker, uh, Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm, Chris Atlander. I, I like Athena too, um, even though she's not on the show. EO. Who I think is up and coming in NXT. I think uh, Roxanne Perez is very good. I think uh, Tiffany Stratton was good. I don't know where she is. But yeah, they got uh, they got some promising talent as well in NXT. Joseph Tell with $3 Super Chat. Brock, Bobby, WrestleMania, last man standing. Yeah. I don't care. Prince of Petty with a $5 Super Chat. Brock match with Lashley says a lot. Of what he thought about Dean Ambrose. I don't think that's something John Moxley needs to concern himself with, bro. John Moxley's the world champion right now in AW. DGK Dog with a 999 Super Chat. Rhea Ripley's the only person left that I would like to see challenge Bianca for the Raw title at some point. Unfortunately, I think Charlotte is returning after War Games to face Bianca at WrestleMania. That would be terrible. That would be awful. It's Rhea or bust. Eighty-eight keys becomes a new member. Thank you, keys. What are you drinking, man? Yes, who live him? You get your goal. I, I think you have to go through all twenty-four months, bro. As soon as you hit the twenty-four month. It doesn't work because he doesn't have a gold microphone next to his name. I think as soon as you go through all 25 months and you get that 25th month, then your gold microphone. Jarrett Hopfinger with a $2 Super Chat. Why are they making Brock look weak? Why not? Brock has looked strong for so many times, so many, so many years. Why not? He got paid handsomely. What the fuck does he care? LJ, best ever, 17 months. Thank you, brother. OTS for life. Whitney Oliver, thank you for the new membership. Once again, Drew Down for the 499 Super Jetty says, LFG. Let's fucking go, bro. Anthony Santiago with the $2 Super Jet. If Cody beats Roman, how long does he hold the belt? I don't know. Who cares? Just give me the story. Not today, Jay. Nah, with a three-month membership. Can't believe it's been three months. Here's to many more. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Matty Harris with a new membership. Matthew Malnar with a four month. Spray Wyatt segment was fantastic and the main event was very good. Kept me on the edge of my seats. And Matty Harris, what are you drinking, bro? 
Asterion Scorpios with the three months. I enjoyed these Saudi shows because as a European, I can watch OTS live at a minute at a normal hour. Ha! All the best to everyone in the venue from Dublin, Ireland. Thank you so much, brother. Love Dublin. Ethan with a $2 super chat. JD, do you think Roman had enough pyro? No. Could have had another four minutes of pyro, bro. I don't think it was enough. Asterion Scorpios with a $5 super chat. No lies, Detective JD. I agree to put the belt on Logan Paul as a trial run. Just give him a story that makes sense. He's shown he takes it all seriously. I said what I said, bro. Filthy Slimes with a 999 super chat. Of all the people that WWE has had as champion, the great Khalis, the Jake Hagers, and the Jinder Mahals, I would not be opposed to a brief Logan Paul WWE title run. Filthy Slimes, you not, now you have comment of the evening, bro. Everybody wants to complain about the former WWE champions, but when I say Logan Paul is worthy of a WWE title uh, run for at least a month after what he did tonight against Roman Reigns, think back to who actually held the WWE championship in the last decade. I don't think we should have a problem with Logan Paul holding the WWE championship. Willie Goat with a 199. Logan Paul put on a banger. Maybe money in the bank at Mania. Maybe. Who knows? Could be. We got a 999 from Bray Watt. Appreciate you, JD. Great show. Women's tag team match was fun. Main event was awesome. Could you see Sasha and Naomi joining Bianca's team for war games? No. Plus Candice LeRae and Liv Morgan versus Damage Control. Shayna and Ronda. No. Sasha's joining Bailey. No other way will I accept. Relic. Fidel Superjat. Roman Reigns is phenomenal. He's underappreciated and under underrated still. He's a master of his craft. Love you, JD. Roman Reigns is phenomenal, bro. He is incredible. Keandra Blue with a 999 Superjat. What's good, JD? People forget that Rhea is still number one contender before she got injured. Yes. Rhea over Charlotte. I don't know who would think Charlotte's a good idea for Bianca Belair. Patrick Charles with a $5 super chat. Where do you currently live? Patrick, I don't think that's any of your fucking business. The fuck do you want to know that for? What a weird fucking question, bro. I live in your mother's basement. Jade Cargill's coming over to have a fucking old-fashioned in about one hour. And MGM ballin'. 499 Super Chat. Logan put on a clinic. Great show. No mas. Oh mas. Hopefully. Thank you, ballin'. Logan did put on a clinic. Jaxo 23 with a $10 Super Chat. Uncle Howdy is calling Alexa Bliss. I love it. Also, I can't wait for War Games. Logan Paul had a great match. The Shayna Baszler from NXT is back. Yes. Yes. She made Natty bleed last night, which was great. Riles with a 499. Logan Paul and KSI is another tag team. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Tribal Chief with a Canadian $2 Super Chat. Roman is a GOAT when it comes to kickouts. Yes, he is. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. I find Bianca overrated. What can she do to get my respect? Uh, open your fucking eyes, Joseph. I don't know what the fuck you're watching, bro. 
Riles becomes a new member and Raging Girl Gamer with a 9.99. Man, this show sucked, especially since Omos. Get her out. Get her out. Drunk as always is Rage. Brad Watt on the 4.99. Hit us with the Omos voice right quick. <laughs> and better buckshot logan or hangman hangman bro come on kid shadow with a two dollar super chat you know brother listen guys i'm getting out of here it's time i have an old-fashioned okay i'm getting out of here hopefully you guys enjoyed the show tonight hit that thumbs up thank you for the memberships thank you for the super chats let me see those guitar emojis in the chat and that music on Max. I'll see you tomorrow night, episode 451 of Off the Script. I'll see you guys later.